Fire, fury, power. My name is Legend. Welcome to Fuel Your Drive. Do you know my name? Welcome to Fuel Your Drive. I'm Josh York, and today we have another powerful, impactful episode. Guys, let me tell you something. Today's guest does not play the victim. Now, a lot of people love to play the victim, and this guy doesn't, okay? He was arrested at 21 on a first-degree felony charge, served two years in jail. He got out, started selling car washes, then the mortgages. Now he's teaching people around the globe how to sell. He's a best-selling author. He owns multiple companies, and you know I'm all about mindset, and our guest 100% has the right mindset. This man doesn't even know that he's now my man, and he doesn't even know that yet. But let me tell you something. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome Ryan Stuman, a.k.a. the Hardcore Closer. Ryan, welcome to Fuel Your Drive, my friend. What's going on? Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, first off, look, uh, you know, we, 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 before we started airing this, we had some conversation, which was great. You know, and I just want to thank you so much for having, uh, you know, having the, making the time to come on to the show. But look, I want everyone to really understand that anything is possible. Like, like people think it's cool to be an entrepreneur, but those who actually are an entrepreneur and are in business understand how painful it is. And I always like to say pressure makes diamonds and there's tons of pressure and tons of challenges. And a typical person would tell someone who was in jail, like, oh, you're never going to be able to do this. Or, you know, who, who cares if you make some bad decisions or you make mistakes, you can always fix them. So I'd love to dive in your story a little bit, Ryan, because it's super inspirational, man. And I know it's going to make an impact on a lot of people. Man, if I could tell my story in like five minutes or less, which is hard to do, it's not easy, um, but it would go like this. Started out childhood, family was in the banking industry. We had a decent amount of money. The banking industry crashed in the early 80s. My family was ran out of town. Grandma went to federal prison. Dad abandoned me. I got adopted. I was adopted by someone who was abusive. By the time I was in the ninth grade, I quit school, got a GED, was selling drugs on the streets, ended up going to prison. Got out of prison, decided that life wasn't for me. Uh, got a job working at the car wash. Was going to become the best car wash washer in the entire planet. That was my, my life goal after getting out of prison. And one day, a person recognized my hard work, offered me a job in the mortgage industry, promised to, uh, the, to help me out. Within about 60 days of being in the mortgage industry, something clicked, and I'd made about $30,000 within a uh, within a year uh, and a half, I'd made about $770,000. And the cops thought I was selling drugs again. They raid my house. There's no drugs, but they find uh, some guns. There's a weird law that Biden passed, ironically. This was a long time ago, but that Biden passed, ironically, called the Brady Bill back when Clinton was president. It's expired now. It doesn't exist. Nothing's illegal. So I went to prison for a crime that doesn't even exist anymore. Anyway, that's been my life up to 2008. Got out 2008, the mortgage market's crashing, everything. This is the industry that I was working in. Now it's crashing. I'm getting out of prison, divorced, no money left, like literally moved into a halfway house, nothing. And I went, went in prison, a millionaire, 18 months, 15 months later, walked out without $25 to my name. Uh, go move into this halfway house, get a job back in the mortgage industry, climb back to the top, even though the economy's struggling. Uh, you know, 2009 made $300,000. March of 2010, Obama, you'll see the government has intervened with my life a lot. Obama passed a law called the Dodd-Frank Act, which said, if you are a convicted felon within the last seven years, you can't write mortgages anymore. I don't know what to do. I ran into one of my old real estate referral partners 
and he had these DVDs and he said that he paid $8,000 for them. And this guy is like one of the cheapest bastards I ever met in my life. And I was, I was in awe that this, whoever I was like, man, whoever sold him, those is a real salesman. So I borrowed them from him and they were Ryan Dice's continuity blueprint. And I didn't know anything about the internet, but I just did exactly what it showed in the video. And I started making sales of this little energy drink. Before long, I was showing loan officers how to uh, basically uh, get leads and stuff online and things like that. Flash forward, I guess what's now been 14 freaking years. It's crazy to say 12 years. It's crazy to even say that. Uh, I've been training business owners and people on how to make money on social media is where it all started uh, years ago. But now it's basically, you know, I run one of the biggest networks on leadership and, and scaling businesses uh, that's out there called Apex. So it's, it's been a hell of a ride. And, you know, one thing you can take from that is that that story was full of pitfalls, you know, d divorce, prison, uh, pretty much every bad scenario. I left out the fact that I broke my neck in 2019 and damn near was told I couldn't. I, I was told I was never going to be able to walk again. They were just wrong. Uh, but like I, I have had like these crazy setbacks in my life, which I should be, you know, each one of them. A lot of people say, like, oh, I went to prison one time man. my life is ruined. And like a lot of people be like, man, I went to prison two times for sure. My life is ruined. But, you know, on the flip side of that, I wouldn't trade my life for anybody. I have a beautiful wife and kids and I drove a Lamborghini uh, of my choice. I have multiple Lamborghinis to choose from to get to work in one of the nicest buildings in North Dallas. I work with celebrities and and athletes and and I have amazing friends like you were talking about, like Todd and his wife, Deb. And and I built this amazing life, which I should did. did a lot of people would say shouldn't exist, but, but for a lot of people in my position, this never would exist, but I always believed that it was possible. And I just kept working towards it, no matter what the setback was, you know? That's awesome, man. First of all, I love your energy, man. I'm an energy guy. And this guy you got energy, Ryan. I love that. Number one, number two, <laughs> I, I took some notes on some things I like, but I want to circle back on that for a second. But before I get to that, how, what do you like? I, a person who goes through those type of challenges, and, and again, you know, look, I, I, I could tell you stories, too, that will put you down in, down in the deepest, darkest holes of things I've been through as well. And, and I know, but I want to hear from your perspective, like, how did you believe so much when you had so much wrong happening? Like, what kept you going? What kept you believing that? Even though, like, cause look, I know you probably had the same feelings I have, right? Like, you believe, but is it going to work? Like, is it going to work? Oh my God, like this happened again. Like, but what kept you going? Like, what can we, advice can we give to, to people that's valuable so they can keep going? Because people think this happens overnight. People think it's very easy. Like I always say, there's a major price you have to pay to get to the other side. And some people are so close, like maybe th that next day could have been the day, but they quit. So what keeps someone going? Well, I think that changed over the years for me, right? What, what gets you going doesn't necessarily keep you going. Um, in the beginning, I mean, imagine my life. I go to school in the eighth grade, I'm sorry, in the third grade when I'm like eight years old. And I have a nine, 10, five-year-old and a seven-month-old right now. I have four kids. So when, and I adopted my nine-year-old. So last year when he was eight years old, he was adopted as well. Like almost the same time of year and everything that I was, right? You can't control the courts. But anyway, so, but, but the reason why I say that is like, I told you my family. So the skinny of my family was my grandfather was a banker, Okay. 
a very good banker. They had a lot of what's called savings and loans back in the eighties. They don't exist anymore. They're now called community like credit unions. Right. But he had five or six different, you know, credit unions back then called savings and loans in small communities, towns with a thousand or 500 people, right. The local bank. Well, when a lot of people don't know this, but when the SNLs crashed, John McCain was the dude that was making them crash and buying stuff up with the resolution trust company and stuff like that. Well, he crashed, you know, every small bank that was out there crashed, much like the mortgage crash of 2008. We had a small bank. My grandma and my grandpa were such stand up motherfuckers that they cooked the books in favor of the farmers, right? Because we're a small town. So they cooked the books in favor of the farmers so that when the, they came to audit the shit, they found out that they had lied because when they were trying to crash them, they were still feeding the fucking farmers in the town. They put my grandma in federal prison for that shit. You know, and, and we were just trying to look out for two reasons. They were just trying to look out for two reasons. Cause like, number one, like those people hang you on your property. You know, I'm just being for real. You're talking about farmers with thousands of acres. And like, I don't know what happened to the banker. We ain't seen him in a decade. Fuck, you know, and, and, and two, it, you know, it was a government thing that intervened with my family. So the reason why I say that is, but I saw that, that it was possible that my family had money. I saw my family never climbed back. Nobody in my family ever recovered from that shit. So let's say that maybe in my grandfather, I don't think he was like a millionaire or whatever, because uh, these were small banks. Like, my, you know, I said five, 600 people living in these tiny towns, but you know, he was doing all right. And in the town, you know, he was, he was the King shit guy or whatever. Right. But, uh, but you know, it, for me, I saw that it was possible. Then the first time when I got out of prison, I just had this mind that like my mindset is like you can outwork any problem. So my problem is I had no education and I had a felony. If you listen to society now that I'm, I'm, you know, I have a little bit of money. There's lots of wealthy felons that have made it. There's not lots, but there's plenty. And, uh, it, but you know, when you don't know, you think that it's impossible that nobody else has made it. You just leave prison and those people definitely ain't going to fucking make it, you know? And so my goal was if, if I just worked hard enough at this car wash, that the owner would take notice of me and I would be manager, then general manager. And at some point, maybe I could buy in or get sweat equity or whatever the case. Right. But all I knew is I just needed to start by being the best. And what happened was somebody saw me and, but when the mortgage lady and I'd made money in the mortgages after a couple of years and went back to prison again, when I got out, yeah, it sucked. I didn't have any money. I didn't have anything, but I'm like, I'd already done this once. You know, I've, I've already been through this experience. And the greatest thing is now anything that I start, anything that's a challenge, like it's not going to get me put in jail. I'm not scared of it. I have already been to worst case scenario, right? Like I'd have been a worse, worse, worst case scenario. Like they say, worst case scenario, you don't pay your taxes. What you go to jail. I'd have been there. Right. So like, it's, you know, it's like, there's no worst case scenario for me. I've already been through that. So there's nothing to be scared of. And so here's what I, I would say though, to most people, because you're going to go through setbacks. That's that those are, those setbacks are really opportunities to grow and become who you need to become in order to get through the next phase in your life. But here's how like business and really life works in general. Like I, this is a great illustration, but let's this, this say this is a fish hook, right? So when you have a fish hook, if you were to start at the beginning of the fish hook, it would be the bottom of that barb right there. So the fish hook, there's like a quick little, little, you know, uptick, right? Usually when you start a business, you can get a couple quick customers. You get some more market people that, you know, to do business with you. You know, when you, you start in the gym, you know, you go to the gym for two weeks, you get quick results, right? And then, then there's a long period of time after that 
that you sink down to the bottom, right? This is where those warm market people drop off. This is where, you know, shit, the IRS sends you a, a bill and you're just getting started. This is where the state wants some extra money or they yell at you for not collecting sales tax. This is where that, that if you're working out, this is where that dish full of cookies starts showing up magically all around your house, right? There's temptation for you to quit. For you to say it's not worth it, I don't want to do it. I'm not cut out for this shit. But I'm, and this is where 90% of people quit in business and in life and everything else. They wait till they get to the bottom of this fish hook and they just fucking sink, right? But if you understand that you have that struggle is there to make you stronger, whatever it is that put you at the bottom of the fish hook, once you once you become the person of the mindset, the person that you have to become in order to pass that struggle to pay your IRS bill, you got to learn marketing so you can get more clients. In order to keep those clients, you got to learn leadership so you can get more employees. Once you start becoming that motherfucker and putting that shit together, the other side of that fish hook, man, it doesn't end, right? It's all the way to the spoil, to the reel, and nobody ever gets to the end of the reel and fishing shit unless you pull it out yourself. You know what I mean? It's a lot of it, in other words. And so, but so many people quit at the bottom of that. And that's just a simple illustration for life. When, when things get, you have to go to the bottom of that fish hook before you can get up the other side. That's where you get experience. That's where you get strong. You can't just step in the gym today and go, Hey, I'm going to go fight Jake Paul. You know, no, you got to go through and condition your body and get sore and fucking hate those lonely nights and, and all the shit that you have to get through to get into peak shape, to do what you got to do. It's the same in business life, everything. It's all, all the same. Dude, that is that is so spot on and so powerful, so powerful. Now I want to go back to a, a statement you made. You said you're going to work at the car wash. You're going to be the best best car wash person ever. You said that. Now I always think people are always watching, right? Like because that's leadership, right? Like you want to you got to lead by example. Good leaders will always create other good leaders. And yep. if you want to be that leader and you want to show up late and you want to think, all right, you know what this is like, you can eat off the floors in my in my facility. It's so clean, but everyone knows like they'll see me with scotch tape picking up little crumbs on the floor because I'm just obsessed when it comes to like having the most professional approach. Now you said you're going to be the best and obviously people watch. So some random gentleman approached you. Well, what did that look like? And did he comment on like how he saw how hard you're working? Was he a regular? Like what did that look like? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So it was, it was actually uh, an older lady at, at the time. She was oh, she's probably my age now, you know, I'm that older guy now, but at the time she was an older lady, probably my age. And I was 22 and uh, not like an, an, a, a very attractive person or anything like that. She just was a regular lady that owned a bank that came in to wash her car every Wednesday, uh, maybe every other Wednesday. Anyway, I remember she had a brown Lexus. And one day, maybe I worked there for a year at the location in Plano, Texas. And this lady's passed away now, uh, but worked for there for like a year. And she says, uh, does anybody else work at this car wash? And, um, and she was just kind of being facetious. And I was like, yeah, of course. What do you mean? She goes, well, I pull in most days and, and you're here writing my ticket, which means I'm selling her something. And then most of the time you spray off my car and vacuum it. And then shit, sometimes you even wipe it off in the front. What do the rest of these people around here do? And I was like, well, the way that it works here is I'm good with numbers. And the more man hours, I can, the less man hours I can get, the more my bonus is at the end of the month. So I just outwork everybody. That's it. That's all. And uh, she's like, and you always sell me some stuff that I don't need. She's like, I want to give you a job. You got to be the hardest worker in DFW. And I was like, I probably am. And, and, but I said, but I, I don't think you want to give me a job. What do you do? And, you know, she had a really nice car. She goes, I do mortgages. I never heard that word in my life. 
like in my life, wow. right? Never heard my parents say it, a friend say it. I don't know what the fuck that means. Okay. So I'm like, what does that mean? She goes, you know, like a bank, I, I do loans. And immediately I went to my grandpa. I'm like, shit, I just got out of prison. My grandma went to prison. Like, oh, hell no. You know, like all these limiting <laughs> beliefs based on my experiences, yep. you know? And, yep. And, yep. and so now I'm looking for an objection to give her. So this is what I'm saying. This is where the force of average steps in on people. I'm getting offered an opportunity to step into greatness and a force of average is trying to derail me with my own thoughts and insecurities. Right. And so what I say to her is, uh, well, I don't know anything about that stuff. You know, I only have a GED and which is why I work here at the car wash. And she's like, oh, that doesn't matter. You don't have to have a degree or anything to do this job. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. And I was like, well. I, uh, I don't know anything about credit. I, I own that truck over there for like cash. And it was a gift from my deceased grandfather. I took it over when he died. When I got out of prison, that was how I got the truck. So she's like, oh, well, that doesn't matter either. I will teach you. And I said, well, it gets a little worse. I'm a convicted felon. And she goes, oh, she goes, what'd you do? I said, well, I got caught with uh, five grams of cocaine. And she goes, uh, Ah, fuck, you'll get along with everybody in the office, man. Hell, you probably make some new friends, you know. And and I and I was like, man, this like stuffed up old lady, you know what I mean? Just all of a sudden loosened up. She's like, oh hell, you'll probably make friends and stuff. And I'm like, well, how much does it pay? And she goes, well, there's no, there's no base salary, it's commission only. And I was already doing commission for the car wash, so I understood that. And uh yep. and she's like, but man, one deal can be 10 grand. That weekend, I, I, that day, I laid my keys down. I got in an argument with the owner the very next day. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I got a job opportunity. And this is what she said to close me. She goes, come work for me starting tomorrow. Forget this car wash. And I tell you what, if it doesn't work out for you at the bank, I'll bring you back and get you your job here at a car wash. And I'm like, well, that's, that's a deal, right? Like I got this one opportunity to go and like, I got no kids, no wife, nothing going for me, nothing to lose, no debt. This is the one time that like, fuck it, you know? So I leaned in, yep. this is the craziest shit, Josh, that happens. So that weekend, this is on a Monday, Monday, I, I go to work or this is on a Saturday, Monday, I go to work for this lady. I quit on a Saturday at the car wash. Monday, I go to work for this lady and on Monday, they're, they're speaking all this crazy language. I don't understand. So I'm trying to read shit and I'm, I'm like, I'm dressed funnier than everybody else. Like I'm trying to play catch up. I'm reading guidelines. I don't understand. None of this shit. Google didn't exist back then, by the way. So it's like, you could just Google shit or watch a YouTube video on it. Like yep. you can today yep. that you had to yep. read encyclopedia type of fucking papers. Yep. It was boring as shit. Okay. So, but I did it. And then that weekend, I'll never forget. It was the Ohio State Michigan game, which is a big deal in the U.S. Right? I'm sitting here in in Texas, North yep. Texas. My friends are the in the neighborhood I grew up in. The neighbors are one of them's from Ohio, one of them's from Michigan. I think it's hilarious every year to go watch the game with them because they fucking fight like cats and dogs. And I'm from Texas, so I could give a shit. But it's hilarious. The drunker they get, the more these Yankees talk shit to each other. And it's hilarious, you know. So uh, I enjoy that every year. Like for, I don't know, 20 years, I probably go over to these people's house for that game, right? And, and I'm sitting there. And I said, you've lived in this house for like, I don't know, 15, 16 years. You ever heard of something called a refinance or you ever did a refinance? And they said, well, we uh, we have a bankruptcy and uh, we can't do that. And I said, man, I got this new job. And now, look, I don't know shit about it, but the lady I work for is brilliant. And I did hear her say that she got deals done with bankruptcy. Uh, it's almost Christmas time. And I, I heard you guys talking about, you know, maybe you won't get your bonus from your job. Maybe we can give you a refinance, save you some money. Some shit. I don't know. Let me get you to talk to Monica. 
And, and if you'd like it, cool. I'll, I'll be your errand boy and run shit back and forth. And, and, you know, we'll see what can, we'll see what we can do. If, if not, you got nothing to lose. Right. And they're like, didn't you just wash our car last week? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But that, that's like I said, it's not me. It's, it's, it's Monica, right? Like she's fucking really smart. And they're like, all right. So Monica gets on the phone with them the next day. And like, I went and printed out some papers at the office, took it to, I have no clue what I'm doing, but three weeks later, I got like 8,600 bucks, bro. I was like rich. I was Bill Gates fucking rich, but it showed me a possibility of, of what's going on. Right. And then I, I put that same work ethic still today, but that same work ethic from the car wash into the mortgage business, I became the top producer in the office. You know, I became the top producer in the company. Then, you know, then eventually I became the top producer in the state for an even bigger company. So Dude that's, dude, that's awesome. Listen, just a side note. I want everyone to pay attention to something. In order to be successful, another very key component is you have to be a great storyteller. Ryan is a very, very good storyteller. So I want you to listen to him as he speaks because you speak really well, my friend. That's number one. Number two, tell, tell me about this woman now. Like, has she been able to, like, see your success? Have you ever got a chance to connect with her again? Or Because, you know, she's she definitely died a really about, special part of your life. Yeah, she died about eight or nine years ago. Uh, so, No. You know, she didn't, unfortunately. She uh She's watching. She's watching. She's watching. Yeah, she's she's, proud, she's watching up there. Um, she had passed away by the time I believe by the time I made it out of federal prison. So I don't think she got to see anything but but that happened. But anyway, you know, hey, but if it wasn't so, for that one person giving me an opportunity and seeing me, that's why I always say is like, you know what? Hard work seems like the person doing the hard work seems like it goes unnoticed, but eventually it can't get and it can't never, be ignored. Never. Right. It, it, but the problem is like people want to work hard one day and get a pat on the back that day. Hard work, yep. getting the, getting the, that lady showing up, she probably washed her car there 50, 60 fucking times and seen me act that way I'm every time. And went, That's a consistent motherfucker. I'm going to do something for him. Cause I worked for this lady for six more years and I'd never seen her hire a stray off the street that didn't have a license ever. She had like a pretty fucking reputable operation and I never seen her take anybody else in off the streets other than me. It's so funny. Like you're bringing back a memory of mine. Like I used to back in the day when I, it was so difficult for me to find trainers because I started in my parents' dining room and like I was interviewing people in like coffee shops. And one time I remember I had an interview at my house and my there goes my dad in his underwear, which is so unprofessional and embarrassing. And like no one would ever take me seriously. <laughs> but, what, but what I used to do, Rye, I would, I would literally sit in the gym parking lots when the gym would open. I'd be there at three 30 in the morning and I'd, I'd do this every day. I'd pay attention who were the first two, three trainers that would show up and I'd see how often they do it. And I kept a log in a notebook and I used to mark yep. off. I used to, I used to label it by their cars. And then one day I went in and approached this one guy. I was like, I gotta tell you something. You might think I'm crazy, but I sit here every day in the morning. It was part of my marketing activities. And I, I used to watch who would come in and you, you've never missed a day. It's been almost mo like months. You've never missed a day. You got to come on board. That's kind of how I hired my first, one of my first best trainers. But now, I want to throw, throw out something because I'm getting this vibe that you probably have done this because I've had a similar scenario to this, like this woman you had. I'm sure you have done something or maybe give an example with someone else that you've seen in them and you've approached them and they've now worked with you or they come on board or you've given them some type of special promotion or what does that look like? Uh, well, let me tell you probably the coolest story you'll ever hear. Uh, so when I go into federal prison i'm there for like two weeks and i'm standing in line for breakfast and in front of me is the two dudes that i used to sell drugs for five years prior that i went to jail for 
but I didn't snitch on anybody. I didn't tell anybody. I never robbed anybody. I ran like a, an upstanding drug business, if that's a thing. You know what I'm saying? And and uh, paid yep. my bills, didn't owe nobody money. Didn't, I didn't have any reason for them to be mad at me, you know? And so I tap on the shoulder and I'm like, hey, Angel, you remember me? And he's like, hey, I thought, anyway, we got talking. He's like, I thought you cleaned your life up. It's like, I did, man. I've been this, been working the banking industry. The cops got me here for some bullshit I didn't even do. And he's like, yeah, aren't we all here for that? Whatever, right? So I go back, eat, eat, break. You can't eat breakfast. They're uh, Puerto Ricans. I can't go like sit at their table and shit. It's prison. So like we split up, they go their way and I go my way. And, uh, and I'm new there. So I got to go eat with the losers. And so <clears throat> I, I go back to my cell and this like big Mexican dude comes down and, and knocks on the door and opens the door rather. And he's like, Hey, which one of you guys is, is a uh, student. And my cellmate, I was going to point at him, but he was quicker than me. So he pointed at me and uh, he's like, Hey, come with me. And so I'm like, fuck man. So I followed this guy upstairs and upstairs, they were living different in this prison than where I live upstairs. They had like normal shoes and smoking weed and shit. We wasn't living that way downstairs and because the guards were downstairs, right. but, but anyway, there's this uh, Mexican dude named Wawa. And he's like, hey, I heard that you're a banker. We're trying to, and that you used to sell dope. We're trying to turn some of our money into good money before we get out of here. Can you, you know, you got a way to help us do that, you know? And uh, can you, I'm like, are you asking me to like launder money, help you launder money? And they're like, well, yeah. And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck, what are they going to do? We're already in prison. I mean, fuck, what are we, we're already here. We can't get in any trouble, you know? And so I, I didn't do anything for them. It's like I filled out paperwork, but I showed them how they could clean their money up. So that when they got out, and I'm doing society a favor here, for when they get out, they ain't got to fucking sell dope no more, right? They, ain't, yep. they don't have yep. to go through that life anymore. They've accomplished what they're trying to accomplish. They just didn't know how to get out. And I showed them how to make that exit. So anyway, when I leave, I give the the head guy who's like the whole shot caller for the entire gang system in the fucking prison world. And I don't know a lot about that because I kind of stuck to myself, but I know this guy's the guy. And so I, I give him an address to write to and shit like that. About four or five years later, he gets out and he tells me, Hey man, uh, everything's cool. I appreciate what you did for us. I will come work for you for free. Uh, just to say I have a job in it for my parole officer. And I'm like, no, 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 you can't work here. And he's like, man, I, I promise you blah, blah, blah. So this was six or so years ago. So that guy is now my general manager. And even though he was in prison for 17 years for 20 tons of cocaine, that guy can probably, and he went before the internet was invented. That guy can probably build a website better than anybody, you know, and, uh, and runs our fucking entire organ. I mean, the dude was running an entire prison. Of course he can run an entire organization here. And, uh, but it's, it's crazy that that guy was, you know, he and I lived in the same prison system together. And now he's, so he's got his tattoos lasered off of him. Uh, he drives a Maserati to work, you know, lives in a, you know, one of our, he's still a felon. So I still got a sign for his, his places to live. <laughs> Nobody will house him there, but, but my, my wife is technically his landlord, but, uh, but, you know, makes it substantial, you know, substantial fucking living and, and, uh, you know, he's broke a generational curse in his family. I think it's pretty fucking cool, you know? Oh, dude, this is cool. Dude, dude this, is, this is going down as one of, the, one, of the, one of the best episodes I've had, man. I'm loving this episode, man. This is great because you just tell good stories, man. That's what I love about it. Now, man, that's, that's got to be. I've had an exciting so life. Good, 
You know, it, my life yeah, is not but, fucking yeah. boring. When I was telling you I wouldn't trade places, like you could see yourself in like the movie of that shit happening. You're like, man, that's fucking dope shit. Like at the time, it was scary as fuck. What the fuck is upstairs? What are these guys going to do to me? Is this where the raping goes down? Like, you know, all the fucking shit that you're thinking, you know, and it's like, hey, man, you help us. Bro, this was the craziest shit. The first seminar I ever did was in prison. I'm teaching these guys in the fucking library how to do this shit. Then I become like the popular dude on prison for check this out. I'm in this place for 13 months and I seen one violent incident in 13 months only. Man, I got this whole place working and focused on doing shit on the outside and cleaning their life up and shit like this. I walked to fucking breakfast in the morning and there'd be 20 fucking inmates be like, yo, stupid, what's up, dog? Like, like it was the fucking like being the cool kid in high school was fucking crazy all because I was helping these people get some shit together while they were in there to fucking get out and not come back. I wish I knew how many Jose's that's what that's his name. I wish I knew how many of those motherfuckers there really were. You know, every now and then they find me on Facebook when they get out. So I've got probably five or six that I know that are okay. You know, the guy that I was in the halfway house with is uh, the guy that I shared the room in the halfway house with is the general manager of one of the largest car dealer franchises in America. Now, you know, it's like that guy worked his fucking way up from, from nothing to, to running shit. He's probably make half a million dollars a year. So so let me ask you a question because I have a philosophy on this. Now, would, would you hire, would you hire, uh, you know, that, that gentleman who ran that gang, who's now, you know, your top guy who's built the websites great. Would you hire him or would you hire a Harvard grad? Who would you pick first? Really just in it, in today's setting, I probably would. Well, I would bring, he's in a different position now, but I brought him on as a low level position. But if we were to put him up against maybe a Harvard person today, I, it would all depend on work ethic really. Cause I know his work ethic. You know, and I think really the thing is, it's not the education or the document that you got from where you got educated. I think what really matters the most is how fucking resourceful are you? Right. Like how can like it's not that you you assimilated and understand information. How good are you at finding information and applying that information to get a solution to whatever problem we're facing? That's that's and think about this guy's had situations and problems. He's like the guy in Harvard has never had a problem that if he didn't solve it, he was getting his fucking neck cut in two hours. Right. The guy in Harvard's never had a problem that if he steps in the fucking shower, he's getting fucked. Right. That guy's never lived under that kind of pressure. But Jose's had to solve some of those fucking problems before, you know. Listen, I couldn't agree with you more. Look, you know, it, it, everyone thinks, you know, look, you have, to, you have to obviously have a brain and you have to be intelligent to some degree, but you don't need to be the smartest person in the world. Like, you just got to take action. Like, the money makers are action takers. You got to have the work ethic. You got to be consistent. People always think, and I talk about this all the time, people think motivation is going to get you there. It will never get you there. It's doing it over and over. And, and the most important time is doing it when you don't want to do it. So now, now let me ask you this, because, you know, Similar backgrounds to some degree, you know, I, I, you know, similar. I had a very rough life growing up. Now, what, what do you think would have been different if, if you had the most amazing life growing up and you grew up in this beautiful family and everything was great? Do you think you would be who you are today or do you think that plays a part in, you know, because people ask me this question all the time and sometimes I'm kind of torn. But like, do you think someone who grows up in that that beautiful house and everything's done for them and they have no pain, no discomfort that they could be where you are, or where I am today? I guess we're about to find out. I got four kids, you know, but I, I know this. I have a friend named Bridger Pennington, which is probably the widest name I've ever heard in my entire life, you know, and uh, and he fits the mold. If you could imagine a Bridger Pennington in your fucking mind right now, that's him. Yeah, the guy that you just saw, that's him. 
And he's a fucking solid dude. I love this guy, right? He's a great human being. Young man runs a hedge fund, right? I told you the picture that you visualize is the proper one. But it, his dad. I feel like a sweater. Yes, yes, he's that motherfucker, right? Yes, he lives in Salt Lake City. That drives you further down the how he look, right? So, the great dude though, his father run run a hedge fund, right? His father's just retired, multi fucking huge billion, billion, billion hedge fund, and Bridger, he's now got his own, you know, what would it's a big fund, but he's a junior of that one, super successful guy. I hope my kids grow up like him way more than growing up like me, right? That, but that, but that. That guy's had to play it safe his whole life, you know, like Bridger's a great guy to hang around, but he does the same thing as you just said, when we're sitting around together, he's like, yo, tell me his story, <laughs> you know, like he doesn't have, he doesn't have stories, you know, his stories is, oh, we yep. did this yep. deal. Or, you know, one time me and dad went to Vail snowing in a fucking private jet, you know, that kind of shit, but he doesn't have any like exciting shit like that. You know what I mean? No, no life or death instances in, in, in stuff like that. So um, I think you can be successful. I don't think you're as good of a storyteller. I know. I think I'm best storyteller alive. I'm just being real. I think that second place is Rob O'Neill. If you ever seen him live. And I mean, by I say storytellers, like me, just get on stage randomly, just telling you stories or hop, hop, hop on a podcast. Like I got a ton of them, but Rob O'Neill is equally as good. He says, you got to get, he says, when you go through trauma, like I've been through, like he has been through as the guy that, you know, killed uh, Osama bin Laden and all this shit, right? They've seen some shit, right? You know, he says, when you go through that stuff, you got a choice. You can either uh, take depression pills and, and, and have anxiety disorders and all that shit the rest of your life, or you can learn to tell good stories that are hilarious about it, right? And, and that's what I've been able to do is like, and looking back, tell funny stories about prison or exciting stories about being adopted or, you know, my grandma going to, to prison for trying to save the town. Most people would be embarrassed and try not to tell those stories. And, and, and but I think that, you know, they're not the highlights of my life, but they're some of the most climatic moments that, that, that I remember, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah, you also make a note. I got to get Rob O'Neill. We were, we were talking a while back and I, I totally forgot I didn't get back to him because he's a good dude. And, uh, He's definitely got a great story, but I do agree. You're a great storyteller, and so is Rob. So last thing before we, we wrap up, I always like to say, if there was one question, if you were conducting this interview and there was one question you would ask, what would you have asked? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. You know, because there's a lot. Uh, you know, we, we could probably do podcasts for forever. Um, but, you know, Absolutely. there's what. One thing I would share with your people, especially since a lot of them are young entrepreneurs, fitness people, and, and all of that. Uh, first of all, we were talking about this before the podcast, but I like to put it on the record. I think you have an amazing uh, franchise opportunity. I was looking at your stuff before we talked, and the, the stuff that you gave me, it's very interesting. And, and um, uh, definitely as an investor, someone that is a very savvy and, and avid investor, is something that I'm going to uh, explore more of. You know, for for me, if there's something I could share for your specific audiences, uh, years ago, I created something called the G code and it's like, not me selling you anything. It's just something I want to give you for free. Um, there's a book that you can go buy for like five bucks on Amazon, but I don't get paid from that. But, um, but the G code is a way of living. It's, uh, it's, it's in, in my mind, I'm fighting every day against something called the force of average. And, you know, if you if you're a poor person or if you're out of shape or if you are an under average person, a below average person, life's pretty easy, man. If you're poor, people will give you a couple of dollars on the street corner. 
you know, it, you could go score drugs from somebody that, you know, pretty easy. You know, if you're average, if you get a, a corporate job that pays you, you know, high five, low six figures a year, and, and you live in a red state where you don't have crazy outrageous taxes and you got affordable housing and no rent control, you can live a really fucking comfortable life, man. But guess what? When you try to do something great, the fucking force of average will put the weight of an anvil and an anchor on you to try to pull you back down. And it starts like this. You get a job when you get out of school and your family cheers you on. Oh, way to go work for somebody else. You start your own business. They're like, you're a fucking idiot. What are you doing? You don't even know anything about business. Like, bitch, that's how you learn it, motherfucker. How, how the fuck am I supposed to yeah. know it if I don't ever fucking do it? But anyway, but that's that's what happens. You got these agents of average. Then guess what? You make your first million dollars and you think, oh, shit, I made a million dollars in the IRS. Like, no, you made 200 grand motherfucker because you didn't do all your shit right right it's like bam every time you're striving but if you just kept that w2 regular job man none of those things will ever happen and you just be happy as a pig in shit you can follow dave ramsey's how to be rich in 20 years program and retire and by the time you retired and didn't have no energy and no health and everything else you could have a whole bunch of money that you could never do fucking nothing with that's dave's fucking plan for your life right but that's that's like the force of average tries to keep you in that that position, because when you try to start your own business, when you try to become a person that's that's not just an average body, we try to push your body physically with David Goggins or or an Iron Cowboy James, one of those guys, then society starts saying, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's too much. You're being hard on your body. Oh, how much money is enough? How much exercise is enough? How many people on Instagram watching you is enough? And they all these things to try to put you back in your fucking place. But here's the thing. We have a superpower within us called focus. But most people don't know what the hell to focus on. And they say, oh, I want to make a million dollars in a year. And then they wait till November and they're like, oh, shit, I got to make $999,000 in a month, right? Like, this is how most people live their life. Hey, I want to lose 30 pounds in 2022. Okay, cool. They don't try to lose them until Thanksgiving. And fuck, you're hungry at Thanksgiving. There's going to be food for the next six weeks everywhere, right? But they wait till the end of the year. But if you stay focused on four things daily, you will win in life. I'm an example of that. Everything that you want, everything the rappers talk about in their videos and check out it all. The, the hot chick, the kids, the jets, the fucking cars, the jewelry, the friends, the connections, the parties. I'm fucking, I'm, last year alone, I smoked weed with Lil Wayne, Rick Ross, two chains, uh, too short, fucking the, the fabulous. The list goes on, right? Like I live that fucking life. And, and I don't say that to brag. I'm just pointing out that it's possible because you heard where I came from. But it's because of this process. So it's four things that I focus on every day getting a win in. First of all, I got to win with a grateful mindset. I, I, so every day I write down five things that I'm grateful for. First thing in the morning when I wake up. Second thing is I got to work on my genetics, right? I got to make sure that I work out and exercise. That's super important to me. I'm 42 years old. I want to look this way forever. The third thing is my grind. That's my job. I got to come in like I'm doing right now and work, spread my message to the masses and, and do what I've got to do. And number four is the group of people that I spend my time with. So every day I'm writing down five things that I'm grateful for and keeping that as a, as a, as a driving force for the day for my mindset. I'm making sure that I get in the gym first thing in the morning. I make sure that I don't eat just shit all day long. The third thing is I'm on my grind. I'm working. People around me, they, they say that I work 48-7. I get two days worth of work in one day but because I'm focused. And then I make sure that I either take my wife out on a date. I put part time with my kids. I spend time with one of my employees, friends. Like today after work, I've got dinner and drinks with a few of my friends. My wife won't even be there, but I'm investing in somebody that's very important. A guy that did $4 billion in transactions last year that's a friend of mine, right? So like every day I'm focused on making sure I'm putting 
time into myself, my body, my friends, and my business. And man, that is a game changer. I created an app that you can get for, it's not even an app. It's just a website you can use that you can put on your phone. Uh, it's dailygcode.com. Just go there. I don't got upsells, anything for sale. I'm not going to email you reminders, none of that shit. It's up to you once you sign in, but it's hundred percent free because you check off every day that you win. In those four areas, you get four points a day and 30 days, you get hundred, 30 days or less, you get hundred points. You create a habit that lasts forever. It takes 30 days to create a habit, six months to break a habit. Let me lock something in that'll change your life for you. That's, that was a long sales pitch, but that's all I got. It was free too, you know? So. Dude, that, that's a mic drop right there. That was incredible. Ryan, that was incredible. Listen, I really appreciate you, you coming on. You know, um, I really highly, 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 I'm imploring you to check out Ryan's group, Apex. I'm, I'm, I'm Buy his books. The G-Code sounds fantastic. I, I love it. I'm, I'm a same believer in those, in those same things you just said. Um, where can people find you, Ryan, uh, on social media? Um, so the, the two places where it's actually me, is uh, Instagram at Hardcore Closer, which has a blue check. So that you, there's lots of fake accounts out there. And then uh, Facebook, Ryan Stuman, same thing, has a, a blue check. The two accounts with blue checks are actually me. The rest of them are questionable at best. Mm. Ryan, well, listen, man, thank you so much, guys. I hope you really got a lot of value. I hope you're taking notes because this is a really impactful uh, podcast today. And guys, remember, continue to fuel your drive. Legend. Legend.